The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. On the Farm Podcast, I am the chef, Kyle Brown, coming at you sort of live, but not really, the day before opening day 2021. Savor it, folks. Savor it. I am here with the handyman, the Nate, the handy Nate, Nate Handy of Pitcher List and Prospects 1500. How you doing tonight, Nate? I am very excited for tomorrow and, and very happy to be here. I mean, pinch me, right? I don't even really believe that it's happening. I, I mean, my, my guys on, on my Yahoo Fantasy team are not even on the DL yet. So, you know, we're talking about Zach Gallon. We're talking about uh, Sonny Gray. So is it even happening? Is tomorrow going to come? I don't even really know. I, I can't even – I can't contain myself, to be honest with you. Yeah, you, you might have just ran down a lot of my shares, too. I've The injury eh, hasn't been too kind to me, but I'm still very excited. Yeah, I actually had I had set up a deal for Zach Gallon. I mean, like two months ago at this point, a month and a half ago, a long time ago. I had been trying to get him for two years from a dude, and uh, it, it 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 had never materialized because he's you know I have this thing in my home league where it's like oh I found a guy, which really just means you were the first person to pick him up off waivers when he became available, right. and so now of course you're like blood blood brothers with that dude, and Zach Gallon was one of these guys for him, <clears throat> and I'm a Gallon gal. And so I've just been trying to get him for years and years and years, just up in the ante, up in the ante. And he, he's just been resisting me and been resisting me. And I finally, this off season cracked a deal. And I was just, as soon as the deal was cracked, as soon as it was cracked, I was like, well, either the guys that I'm trading him are going to get injured and it's going to cause an issue or Zach Allen's going to get injured. And we'll see what the injury is like, because that'll determine how much I decide to try to juice the situation. And, you know, lo and behold, it's one of the most bizarre injuries you could ever imagine for a pitcher. Welcome to 2021. Yeah. So what you're telling me is that it was pretty much your fault. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I brought that into the world. I'm going to take that. I'm going to take that, but you know what, what I will say in a year where we're all going to be chasing innings, I feel like, Maybe Zach Gallon missing the first six weeks, eight weeks of the season will actually come in handy at the end of the season. Maybe I mean I yeah. play in, I play in head-to-head leagues, and 
I, when my pitchers on good teams tend to bail out on me at the end of the year and I'm, I end up picking up scrubs to try to win championships, it can get challenging. So, Hey, maybe gallon will be just coming into full blown gallonness towards the end of the season. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, that's what we all have to tell ourselves to cope with it when we have him in 80% of our leagues or whatever. Right. It's true, man. Who else, who else has gone by the wayside <laughs> for you? Uh, I mean, pretty much you name it. I mean, what Mondesi today, right? Yep. Um, Grasco. Did you have some well, Eloy Yates. shares? Yates. Uh, surprisingly not. Not. Uh, Yates, like I said, and uh, who, I mean, who are the other big ones? Well, I'm, I'm drawing a blank. I mean, Eloy is probably the biggest one, I would say. Yates went down recently. That was pretty huge. Um, we got Gallon. We have, I mean, yeah, Mondesi was just today. You know, Yastrzemski uh, apparently is okay. Uh, I mean, that seems to be. Well, I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't hear about that one. He just he just got hit on the hand with a with a fastball. But he, he came out and everyone was worried, but x-rays were negative and he's he's supposed to start tomorrow. So. Oh, that's that's interesting. I have a lot of I have a lot of, well, just one big one. So player bet with a buddy of mine, Mike Yaz versus T Oscar this year. Ooh, what's the stakes on that? What are the, uh, what are the deets? It's a points league. So it's just um, whoever scores most points on the season, but then there's like a, we have a game played minimum. I forget what it was, 125 games or 120 games or something like that. Yeah. We had the same bet last year and I lost by, I mean, it was like three points or it came down to the last day. Who was it? Who was yeah. that? Who versus who? Same. Yaz versus Tiasker. Oh, wow. And they both had quite, quite good seasons. Yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, I mean, good bet on both of our parts. My buddy, Brian Elliott in a league. Uh, I mean, they both did beyond probably what we both might have thought, but I was the loser. I actually, I just, I just tossed out a great, uh, well, I, I, he, he, one of my better friends in the home league that's been going on for 22 years now or whatever. I don't even, there's literally just too much time. I don't even know how many times, how many years have elapsed at this point. Um, that's how old I am dating myself, but, um, he, uh, so the draft happens. And then I think the day after the draft, I get a, I get a trade offer from him. That's just my first round pick for his first round pick, which is essentially you're going to finish below me. Yeah, right. And then he hits the group chat up, calling me a coward for uh, for waiting on it, and I had to obviously mash accept very quickly, and uh, and then throw out some big puppy yeah, chest stuff. Yeah. I don't do well with those kinds of things either. Yeah, well, you know, the gauntlet was thrown down, and he's very cocky, and his pitching staff is very bad. So I'm just I'm going to the mat. I'm going to the mat. I mean, I'm working from home these days. You know, I got I got the time to make those little teeny discreet moves that are put me over the top. Well, thanks for coming on tonight, man. I wanted to, uh, I mean, it's almost a little bit, uh, I mean, I'm excited to get major league baseball, but we're still like a month away from some real interesting minor league stuff happening. I'm, I'm super excited to get back to the minor leagues and it'll actually be nice to to almost be able to focus entirely on the major leagues for a month before those start up just to, just to get back into it. Cause it, yeah, like I said, it really doesn't feel real even at this point. I know, like I went today, just sort of absentmindedly to toss on a spring training game as I, you know, on my, on my, on my side computer, as I, as I worked and there just wasn't any available. And I was like, Oh, yeah. Oh, Oh, it's the calm before the storm. 
oh, it's about to get very serious up in here. And then, of course, I just refreshed my fantasy baseball leagues to see if I could put guys on the DL to make those those savvy pickups or terrible pickups, however you see it. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, that's – I mean, the minor leagues, that's the – that's been the real long wait, right? I mean, I don't even – I don't even remember how I how I used to watch minor league games. And, and with all the changes and what have you, I, I, like trying to put my – what I call kind of like my watch list together, just the, you know, starting to line up what prospects I want to get my eyes on the most and what, what teams are going to be on. And like, man, I don't even know like what leagues or, or what teams, like I'm just still trying to figure all that out, you know? Yeah. I went through and uh, because of all the breakdowns and, you know, all the, all the leagues we know and love and for lack of a better term, like understand they're just gone, right? Like the Florida state league's gone. The Santa league's gone. The Appy league's gone. I mean, they're all just, they're sort of hacked apart. And they, uh, I went through and I I tried to go league by league to see like, okay, what are the pitcher friendly leagues now? Cause it's not necessarily the Florida's, what are the hitter friendly leagues? Like where did all these PCL teams end up? And for the most part, there's some decent bunching, but then there's just some random ones in there with teams switching, you know, not only teams switching affiliations, but then teams switching levels that they're playing in from single A to double A and, and triple A and, and all that stuff. And some, some independent league teams coming over. Yeah. It's, it's definitely, it's going to be a completely new landscape and I'm sort of, it's it sort of, obviously I don't necessarily, I don't, I wish we had more minor league games and, or more minor league teams instead of less, I'm sort of in that camp. I don't know how you feel about that, but it's, it's almost fun to, you know, just really be getting into the fantasy industry and the prospect industry with regard to fantasy and, and almost have the reset button hit. So it's like, well, a lot of us are sort of coming at this, you know, not, we're not all starting from the same position, right? There's still, there's still a healthy amount of people out there who know a heck of a lot more than me, but there isn't, you know, everyone's, everyone's sort of scrambling for a lot of that information because of all the changes. So, and I'm excited to see what it, what it turns out at. I, I hope that the the level of play is, is better. I hope that the independent leagues become something that is relevant for, for major league baseball more than just your one-off Randy Dobnik or one-off Tyler Matzik sort of situation. And they actually become, you know, a place that can be a proving ground that can actually have a pathway to the major leagues eventually, or at the very least, they just get more exposure. And I'm excited that, you know, we, uh, we get a team, we get a minor league, well, an independent league team next year in Northern Colorado, pretty close to us. So that's, uh, yeah. Where's that going to be? So there's, there's, I believe it's the Ogden, uh, O-Rem, the O-Rem Owls, uh, which I believe are in Utah. They are, they were part of that pioneer league that almost all became independent league stuff and they are moving to North Colorado. So they're moving to Loveland. So they're going to be like 20 minutes or so North of me. And that's independent league starting next year. So that'll be fun to go to. I'll be excited to go check out some stuff there at the very least. You know, I, I, I enjoy going to the major league baseball park, but I don't love the city of Denver just getting in and out. It can be kind of a, yeah, dude, it just brings up all the rage, all the rage. And, and then the, the, uh, the Rockies specifically, there's just no good way to exit the ballpark unless you're leaving in the seventh inning. And then why are you there in the first place? So. Yeah. And there's, and there's no good way to feel good about giving them your money either. At least in my opinion. No, I do not. I did not get down with that organization whatsoever. It's very difficult. You know, it's not going on the field. You know, it's not going to extend the best players. No, 
Yeah. No, well, they're, I mean, they have, they have a moneymaker regarding wins, losses don't matter to them. Yeah. It's rough. It is rough. I feel for, I have a nephew right now that's really getting into baseball and obviously he's, he's from here and here being Colorado and he's a Rockies fan. And, you know, I, I tried early on, like a couple of years ago, I was like, you know, maybe don't do that. Maybe you should pick a team for literally any other reason. Cause you like their colors, cause whatever, cause <laughs> It's yeah. like a, it's like a double threat, right? He can't actually watch the games because of the blackouts, right? So he can't get MLB TV and watch the right. Rockies. So so his dad, my my brother-in-law has to get cable, which is a whole other, you know, thing. And then I just I knew what was coming with Arenado. I knew what, you know, I just I know this organization. I've I've, I've been around them long enough. And I was just like, man, I don't know. And this offseason, it was just like, so the Rockies paid another team $50 million to take their best player. Yeah. I mean, that's that's pretty much them in a nutshell. That's really all you need to know about the Rockies. Yeah. When they want to spend a lot of money, they're going to build a giant bar in right field for people to take selfies at the game, which is fine, but. Yeah. I mean, I definitely remember going into the, the, uh, the stadium the first time I saw that and I was like, well, I can't say that's not a savvy business move, but it really changes right. the complexion of, uh, of the stadium when an entire deck is just a giant Coors light bar. Yep. Yeah. I'm sure yeah. they crush. I'm sure they crushed the bottom line. Oh, absolutely. Just, just based on the level of drunkenness that I have, uh, that I've seen <laughs> in the, in and around that area and considering yeah. that, you know, those beers are 10 to $15 or whatever it is. Like, yeah, yeah that's well, you, uh, have, you have a city full of, of so many transplants too. That, you know, you're, you're going to see your team for three to, you know, maybe six games a year or whatever. And you're going to, you know, you're going to take advantage of that. Yes. Yes, you are. Little. Yeah, no, absolutely. And then the whole area around the, the stadium is right for pre-gaming as they say. Yes. Yeah. Well, you've done some uh, some very good work for Pitcher List and Prospects oh, 1500, which you joined on. Yeah, man. I uh, I I have been changing my tune a little bit when it comes to changing my tune and also just being more self-reflective a little bit on what I had been sort of attracted to when it came to prospects and when it came to what I was chasing and what I was looking for. And then, you know, a year ago, yeah, trying try to get more of the better ones and stay away from the bad ones. That, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But also just, <laughs> just trying, just trying to hit more, you know, and like just trying to really, sure. I, I, I certainly, I had some good, some good picks in the last few years that, that have materialized, but a lot of them were more dart throws and it wasn't necessarily a coordinated attack or, or a high level of understanding about exactly what I was trying to do in a draft. And you know, the, the article that you wrote, and I'd love to let you talk a little bit about it was, you know, was really how to, and you know, it was, it was done through the lens of, of drafts and first year player drafts a lot, but how to evaluate prospects, what to look for, and really trying to take a, really trying to take us a, uh, a, a data-based understanding of probabilities for which players are actually going to make it make it big, make it medium, make it, make it at all, you know? So it was really trying to, and I think we had a very interesting draft this year 
when it came to, you know, your timing in writing that article, you know, cause you have, you have one of the most highly touted prep arms out there that I can remember in recent years and make a bell. And you have some very highly touted, but a little bit, they have some warts on them in terms of their pitch mix and in terms of their durability uh, and in terms of their control and their command, you know, when it comes to some of the big names in this year's draft, like Meyer and Lacey. And then you have the, the ultimate pitchability guy in Reed Detmers. And then, on um, you know, you add all of that to the hitting side, which is, you know, it seems like people really couldn't stop talking about Zach Veen and his beautiful left-handed swing and how he should be able to come up and hit in Colorado. And everyone's just going to decide to not care about the pretty horrific development record that Colorado has had recently and uh, save for a couple days. And, um, you know, and then, and then you merge that with some of those, uh, those college bats out there uh, like Heston, uh, Kyrgyzstad and, uh, and Nick Gonzalez. Um, so, yeah, man, I mean, I, and it, it was, it was certainly an eye-opening article for me and I, I sort of love to, to just hear you talk a little bit about it because it's an article that it's a lot yeah. to digest, you know, it's a, it was, it was a big one and it, it contained a lot of information, yeah. but just, uh, yeah, give me a, give me a little synopsis. Let's, let's lead into it. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. I, I haven't really ever spoken about this article to anyone, you know, other than some chat and DMs and what have you. Um, but yeah, so I think maybe to, what I like to, I play large leagues, large dynasty leagues is, is what I'm into, 30 teamers. And uh, for a really long time, I've really wanted to know that, that, that data that was in there. And what, what we did was, Colin was unbelievably helpful and just a master of finding these things for me. Uh, but we, we married all the ADP from NFPC histories from, uh, what was it, two, 2000 or 2005 to 2015, something like that. And then married that to all the draft data from 2000 to 2015. Because I've always wanted to know, you know, your, your first round pick, number one overall pick, whatever it might be. And we broke it down a lot more than that. Uh, like really, truly how successful have they been in fantasy terms? I have not, I'm not the most well-read uh, guy when it comes to this stuff. I've seen some similar things that were based on war, but I wanted to like get down to how do they do fantasy-wise. So yeah, so I don't know, my biggest takeaways, and then because we, we had a unique opportunity this year with no the 2020 draft class, and then no minor leagues. It was a big pause, right? We didn't get to start to change our opinion about anyone uh, because of the start of their pro career. So that was helpful in, in, in this piece's regard. And uh, so my biggest takeaway is kind of, I hear people that I very much respect in the industry kind of approach their first year player drafts. It's like, okay, you want to get a college hitter, you know, just totally generally speaking, college hitter, prep hitter, um, 
college pitcher than prep pitcher. But I kind of totally disagree with that with the findings. Um, it goes college bat, college arm, um, prep bat, prep pitcher. I don't know. I think some of the numbers kind of showed out, show that out. We looked at, you know, what percentage of these guys become top 10 fantasy assets, top 25, top 50, top 200, what have you. And then uh, I kind of tried to match them up, match up this year's draft class with perhaps their, their most close, like historical demographic, like, a, you know, a prep bat taken picks 100 to 150 and then you know how many of them became this fantasy wise uh and then got into looking at the these probabilities these success rates and you know how does that match up in terms of trades how many top five prospects how many top five draft picks does it take to you know, maybe move an Acuna or what have you. And so it was very rich, a very rich piece. There was a lot of data, but um, I kind of wanted it to be a little bit more of like a reference material, you know, something I want to dive into more. Um, and I just kind of wanted to put that out there for people. And I thought it was a good time to do that. Yeah, man, I, uh, I, I, I definitely agree in it. You know, it opened up my eyes a little bit when it came to how to think about trading for prospects, how to think about trading prospects. And it's nice to be able to, you know, I think what, what your article did for me specifically was sort of paint with broad enough strokes to question my thinking about a specific player or a specific trade. And, you know, I, and one of the dynasty leagues that I play in, I made the decision, which now feels bad, um, because of what I gave away, but I ended up trading away. I think, I mean, all told between picks and pieces, it was like 25 pieces for five superstar major league baseball players at the time. And it's a trade that allowed me to compete for the championship in that league that year. I actually came one, one point short from the top spot, but now I look at it and I traded away a bunch of, you know, first, second and third round, first year player draft picks, I traded away Vlad Guerrero jr. I traded away Ronald Acuna uh, traded away Cody Bellinger, traded away Josh Bell, traded away all these guys that are now in the major leagues. But what I got at the time was such established value that it actually allowed me to go for it. And, I, you know, Ronald Acuna wasn't necessarily, uh, you know, he was, there was about a year before he hit where he was understood to be quite, quite a highly touted prospect. Before then, he was a little bit lower when it came to pedigree. Vlad Guerrero Jr. had yet to have the, all those seasons in the minor leagues. He had had maybe one, so it was low level, and you could you could sow some doubt there, and you could worry about the name. Cody Bellinger had had yet to come on the scene in any real way, like he has now, and like he did towards the end of his minor league career before he just exploded on the scene. Um, you know, and and I think the the tagline that I want people to really take away from from that article which is i don't even i think it's actually just something you've said to me in other places many times which is don't trade quarters for dollars um you know yeah. don't don't trade I, I i have this and i actually you know in, in other leagues like i i can't 
I, I made trades that frankly you would probably be disgusted at because I, I traded multiple dollars for one quarter of Wander Franco simply because I, I couldn't live without him in one, you know, in one of the leagues, there was, there was no pathway to getting him in a couple of leagues I was in. So I decided to just pay the piper and I asked for the price and the price was staggering and it led to a bunch of, of chaos in the leagues or whatever with, with objections and other managers being upset. Yeah. All that said, you know, it's, it's the, the wanders, the, all I need to do is think back to, to Jerks and Profar and Matt Weeders and Byron Buxton, oh, yeah. you know, and, and, and really to think oh, back yeah. at all, you know, I can go back to some of my first year player drafts from five, six years ago and look who was taken in the first round and just, wow. All right. Well, there's Riley Pint. Yep. There's, there's Tyler Matzik, yep. you know, like there's a, there's really, really, really highly touted arms. And there was another graph. I can't remember what I was watching, but I saw it. And it was all of the prep pitchers taken in the first, I think, 10 or 15 picks for the last 15 to 20 years. And of all of those players, only one name was really anything to, uh, to really care about when it came to the fantasy yep. world that we played. And it was Clayton Kershaw. That was the yep. only one. I, I, blame, I blame Clayton Kershaw in a sense for both major league teams and fantasy players kind of misvaluing uh, prep pitchers. He's like, he's really the only like true, like, you know, good story where he got drafted high, ascended on a, on a straight line and became a fantasy stud. You can't really find another one. What Madison Bumgardner? Maybe Flaherty and uh, Snell might be changing that a little bit, but there's not a lot out there. Yeah, and even those guys, none of those guys that you just mentioned are Clayton Kershaw. You know what I mean? They all came. Right. They all come with their warts. Flaherty, right. you know, they, they just have to do it. We got to see them become. You know, Kershaw is a Hall of Famer, as far as I'm concerned, and 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 yeah. should continue to produce at a level that allows him to get there on not only peak but also sort of total when it comes to war yeah. and production and world series, you know, stuff and, and being the playoff strikeout leader, he's got it all. He's got, he's got, yeah. you know, he's probably going to win a few more world series in the next few years. If I yeah. had to put money down on any team, that's, but that's why This was the first, first year player draft season where I really, um, I really pushed up college bats from like, I don't know, your second to third round or what have you like Hudson Haskin was kind of a guy for me. Uh, I like Casey Schmidt. Like I would, I'm taking those guys over Mick, Mick Gable all day long. Like you just, you play the aggregate long enough and you be consistent. You're going to be better off, you know, like not a big blackjack player, but if you got a six and the dealer's got a five, sure. You might hit on that and win, but more times than that, you're not going to. Right. I think, I think that's how it goes. <laughs> we'll say yes. Cause I don't play blackjack either, but that sounds correct. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so that was kind of from that piece a change that I kind of made in my own strategy. Um, and and you looked at like you know that's I want I just want better leagues. I want the leagues that I run the, the big dynasty leagues just to be better. And it's kind of my opinion that a league is only as good as the worst player as the worst owner. Um, and like you were saying, you see. 
you see guys making these trades for prospects that just are, you know, like, like you said, quarters for dollars. And I just want to throw some stuff out there that maybe might uh, change some people's minds about some of those things. Yeah. Like in that piece, like what? The top prospect in baseball has, an, has had an 18% chance of being a top 10 fantasy player. I don't see trades working like that under those numbers. Yeah, it can be it can yeah. be impossible when you're. I mean, if that's the number, that's the best case scenario. It's it's tough when you see when you see trades go down in your league. Like a couple of years ago, at the height of his powers, when he was having his his full season, a team that was going for it traded their Forrest Whitley for Steven Strasburg, and that that deal went down. And I I was I mean, and you know, obviously, it's not worked out. Forrest Whitley wasn't even kept that year by that this year by that team, but it was just like, how can you give up this actual value as much as it is, you know, a little bit injury ridden or whatever. And Steven Strasburg for someone who, especially pitching wise, you know, you're not, you have to take on, you're going to need, you need four to five Forrest Whitley's to trade from based on the numbers you're telling me to trade. I would say maybe even more. <laughs> Right. Yeah. We're talking, so we need six, yeah. seven forced Whitley level prospects two years ago to trade for Steven Strasburg and people get caught up in this idea that they have to rebuild. So they have to trade away their established things. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You, you, people can't see it because you're on the video, but I'm curious, you're shaking your head. Talk to me. Okay. Let's, let's talk a little bit about rebuilding and retooling and how you, especially in a deep league, like you're playing in like a 30 teamer. And I got into yeah. a 30 teamer a couple of years ago just because I wanted to see what that, you know, what it was about. I was like, mm, I'm used to playing yeah. in like 10 and 12ers. And I got myself into a 16 and a 30 to really sure. go deep. But like, what's your, what's your rebuild retool philosophy? I mean, what's uh, you know, give, give me, give me something on that. Yeah. 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 I would love to. Uh, 30, I just, for 30 teamers are, they're tough. They're, they're my favorite, but they're the hardest leagues to, you know, keep intact and keep strong. Um, I put together one. It took me like 10 months to do, find enough guys crazy enough to give me the amount of money that it took. But it's like a commitment for four years, you know, stuff like that I, I like. Um, but rebuilding, I, I cringe. I have, a, I have a negative physiological effect when I hear most people say that because I don't know exactly what they're talking about. I think when I hear that, and I, I'm generalizing, but that just means, okay, I'm going to take these established MLB years and I'm going to sell them for some prospects. And probably, like we're talking about, not get equal value back. Um, the way that I play, I like to think, and so far, and I've been playing in dynasties for quite a while. I, I, I rarely not make the playoffs. And I, I'm not tuning my own my own horn. I'm, I hardly ever have a top prospect debut on my team. I'm usually selling it before, before it happens, just because it's a good deal. Um, I'm always playing for this year. Sometimes maybe have a little bit of an eye on the next year. Um, but the way that I retool, 
especially it, this might, I don't know how much this applies to small leagues, but in, in, a, in a big league, pretty much anybody getting innings or at bats will have some value, right? Mm -hmm. And it, it never fails every year. Like I just picked up Chase McCormick in a 30 team league. That's competitive, some sharp guys. That's a free asset. That's getting some MLB run. I don't know how great it'll be or what have you, but it's something, right? And those those guys can pop. I mean, Ty France was a dude a couple of years ago I was all over. And look at him now, you know. So you can you can get some free stuff that way. Um, but I really like to I think the most missed demographic is just like young MLB players. Guys, every June, I will set an age limit and a MLB plate appearance and any pitch limit to about 800 to 1,000 plate appearances. And I just, that's where I start. And I go through all those guys who's getting some MLB run. Who do I, you know, who's got some pedigree? I don't know if you want to call them, you know, prospect fatigue guys or whatever. Um, but I've had, if I'm trading the veteran, I'm going after those guys. I'm not going after prospects. And I, maybe I've just been lucky, but I've hit on like, you know, I've gotten Giolito and Tiasker and like Dom Smith recently, last couple of years from that. I'd much rather go after that pool than some prospects. And then you've got enough MLBers, you're going to have some, some extra, some overflow. I always end up trading up and getting a top five, top 10 pick in the first year player draft. So just kind of like a, I don't know, a game of Pac-Man where you can run off one side and peer on the other. Just try to keep feeding that as opposed to doing this extreme thing where I'm selling all my major leaguers for lottery tickets, you know? Yeah. And they are, they are very lottery ticket-ish. I mean, I... The, I, in my, in my home league, I had, I, I got back-to-back -back championships in 2015 and 2016, and I can pretty much link both of those championships. Well, the first one I can link directly to Paul Goldschmidt ending Tim Linscombe's career with a giant home run. The, but the, the teams that I, the teams that I amassed, that was the last game of the season that, Ooh, that was, that was absolutely incredible. Tim Linskin was never the same after that home run. And I'm just going to, I'm going to blame that entirely on Paul Goldschmidt because he owned Tim Linskin in a way that very few players have been owned by other, by other players in major league baseball. But um, <clears throat> I traded away that year. I picked up Chris Bryant, traded him away uh, for something valuable. Can't remember exactly what it was, but it was MLB, you know, talent that I could use that year. Same thing happened with Alex Bregman. And what I've done, you know, last year, I, I was able to sort of, you know, our league is a little bit chaotic and it's on Yahoo. So the, um, the players come out at, at various times and it isn't necessarily consistent when a player is entered into the universe, which creates sort of market, interesting market fluctuations and inefficiencies at times. So like, for example, you know, uh, when he was a very highly touted prospect, Jason Hayward was taken, you know, top five in that league for the year for the draft. And so was Steven Strasburg. But of course, guys like Marco Luciano, uh, Julio Rodriguez, even Ronald Acuna, 
they were picked up off the waiver wire and added and kept for multiple years. And as much as that is a flawed system, it does sort of value those people who are paying attention. And, you know, Wander Franco, for example, he wasn't added to the universe at the end of the year. And so he became the number one overall pick the next year. Same happened with Bo Bichette, all those things. But what, what this does is it creates a situation where, and I'm actually just learning that Francisco Lindor just got $341 million. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, Good yeah, for him. Good for Good him, for dude. Him. I'm, yeah, I'm glad he got his aid. Uh, and I hope. I Anytime hope, a player gets paid, I'm I'm happy. Yeah, I'm super about it, especially when they reject an offer like "get that trash out of my face and give me my millions." That's right. Yeah, That's right. No, I, I love it, and he's going to be great in New York. I really am excited to see him. Uh, I got a couple of Mets fans in my uh, in my brethren, and they are excited for this year and i'm excited to see how the mets come just short enough to uh to destroy all of their hopes and dreams <laughs> but yeah getting getting lindor locked in is, is obviously huge yeah i don't know how many years does it say does my phone say uh, 10 years like 12 didn't it? looks like yeah. you got 10 years 341 million so 34.1 a year nothing to Sweet. not too shabby he's worth, not too he's worth it he is, man. Yeah, he, he absolutely is. And he's going to be, I mean, it reminds me of what Jose Reyes was in, in, in New York, in Queens anyway, for the time that he was there. That was a good time when he was he was holding that down and owning that uh, that shortstop position. And honestly, Lindor is better. So that's, uh, yeah. Anyway, aside, the breaking news. Breaking news coming to you live on the On the Farm podcast. Francisco Lindor, <laughs> giant, mega, millionaire. Um, and I'm sure the endorsement deals will follow in that beautiful city. So Anyway, uh, what are we talking about? Oh, yeah, um, trading away. But there is there is not an endless pool of Major League Baseball talent. Not only is there literally a discrete amount of roster positions on Major League Baseball teams, then there is a very finite amount of starting positions. There is an endless well of yep. prospect talent. There is an endless well. You can just acquire in your first-year player draft guys that have helium, trade them for guys who are actually producing and you can do that almost endlessly. Oh yeah. And I'm, I'm shameless about marketing them that are on my team too. Like in our, in our group chat or whatever, like, you know, when Nick Prado hit a home run, like I'll post that in the room. Be like, Hey, Hey, look at my guy. I mean, well, that might be a bad example because I'm kind of back into him a little bit, but. Oh, really? Uh, you know, you know what I'm saying. Yeah, I like to play, no. play the game within the game a little bit. Oh, 100 percent. I remember uh, I have uh, I saw so the 30 teamer that I joined. I have Gunnar Henderson. He was someone I took in the first year player draft, and that was actually something where I went into that 30 teamer not having played one before, and it was set up in a in a way. And I don't know if you've set up a league like this, and if you have any thoughts on that, but where you couldn't actually take minor leaguers for a certain amount of rounds. And this was to avoid the tank team and the team, you know what I mean? Like trying to get everyone yeah. to at the very least, like be competitive. Like, no, you actually can't take them. You can trade right. for, you can trade major league players and major league picks down if you want to. And anyway, my take on the situation was, okay, I think I have an above average prospect knowledge just in the sense of volume just in the sense of names. I don't necessarily claim to be some sort of expert scout, certainly not, or, or expert evaluator, but I think where I make my money is doing, having more horses in the stable 
so to speak, when it comes to guys that I know are very sure. least solid. And so my take was, yeah. all right, everyone, you know, I already saw someone trade their third round major league baseball pick and multiple things for, to try to get Wander Franco and Julio and Kelnick and all those things. And I went the opposite way where I want, I got a solid major league baseball team, nothing too crazy. I didn't, Good. I didn't trade my major league team. I didn't trade my minor league picks to just create a super major league team. And I didn't throw away my major league picks to create a super farm. Um, what I did though, was essentially trade down pick by pick by pick. So I, I want to say like, I probably traded down 10 or 15 picks in the major league baseball draft. And we're not talking huge, right? I mean, two, three rounds in a 30 teamer is, is sizable when it comes to what you're potentially missing out on. And my, my goal, and this is all pre COVID. So, you know, last year I, I, I was one of the worst teams in the league because by the end of it, it was just like, all right, well, this, this is all weird. We'll just get back to it next year. We're, you know, we're here, we're learning, we're learning the dudes in the league. And what I ended up doing was just, you know, trading down one or two rounds in the major league baseball draft and then trading up two or three rounds in the minor league draft or, you know, three or four different rounds trading the, each one of those up one. And then I sort of rinsed and repeated that a few times based on guys asking for, for trades ups or, you know, trade downs. And what ended up happening was instead of having a super farm that was full of elite prospects and instead of having a super major league baseball team that had no farm whatsoever to speak of, I just had depth. I had an incredible amount of depth when it came to my minor league farm team. And when inevitably dudes got bored or antsy or whatever word you want to use and started to be like, I got to blow it up. The team is no good. And they just started making deals like mad. I ended up trading yeah. three, three prospects for Trevor Bauer, four prospects for Eloy Jimenez, you know, may he rest in peace this yeah. year. I, 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 yeah. I got Zach Gallen. I got Marcus Stroman. I got, uh, well, Yasiel Pui, I got for very cheap and that's not going to work out. You were, but, uh, you, were, you were winning. Exactly. <laughs> were winning. And after like seven of those deals, I, I easily have, here's a great example. Someone traded me JT Real Muto for the fifth overall pick in this year's first year player draft. Yeah, that, that's, yeah. that was offered to me and that opened up my inbox. Yeah. I was like, let me make sure I'm reading this correctly because this seems preposterous and I'm reading it correctly and I will hit accept. And then the entire right. league chat blew up. Like, um, you want to trade me an asset for a ticket that might maybe become that asset. Like I just, I can't wrap my head around that. And I get like, I get guys just having fun and all that stuff. I'm not, yeah. I'm not besmirching anyone for that sometimes people just want to tear it all down just to have the fun of building a team and that's that's part of the fun of dynasty but you know if if you want to get real you want to play serious and you know play for a little bit more money i don't i don't really get that you know yeah no you're it's i mean trading trading quarters for dollars man and you're not even trading quarters based on the you know the numbers you're yeah. saying you're trading 15 cents for uh, for a yeah. shiny for a shiny buck yeah. and, uh, and, and and here's another thing that I have very much learned and and won with in you know big leagues uh, you don't need stars you don't need the big names at all like I, I think about Ozzy Guillen when he used to talk about the the twins of like the mid to late two thousands he would always call them the piranha 
they would just kind of kill you one bite at a time. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of how my dynasty teams end up looking too. Like uh, had a league last year that we started. Like just to give you an idea, I was the regular season darling and in typical fashion fell apart in the playoffs. But uh, like my highest, I didn't have any of the top 50 guys on my team. And I was, you know, the best regular season team. I think my highest score might've been like Eddie Rosario or something like that, you know? But you have depth, you have a lot of those middle guys. You don't need the big names and big leagues. Yeah, and it's just like, it's like, it's like the ultimate athletics, man. It really is. They know how to cobble, cobble together a team that is competitive and it, it does not necessarily have any stars on it whatsoever. Uh, although I will say the Moneyball movie doesn't spend any amount of time on, uh, on how good Miguel Tejada and Eric Chavez were or Tim Hudson or Mark Mulder or any of those dudes. They're just like, let's just yeah. focus on these scrubs. Yeah, they, and we'll... I never really thought about that, but they, they did it, did they? They really don't. There's like a couple of scenes where they like, you know, like, ah, Chavi, what are you doing? You're killing me. Or like, he's talking to Miguel Tejada about taking more pitches where he's like, <laughs> he's like walking out and he's like, Hey Hudson, use your slider more or whatever this, you know, tonight. Oh, yeah. and they definitely, yeah. you know, and I remember, I can't remember. I mean, I watched that movie far too often. Cause it's just like, ah, late night, I'm just sort of falling asleep. Let me toss something on. Yeah. And I, I enjoy that quite a bit. And then, you know, I went back and I was like, all right, let me, let me actually go check out because I was, you know, I was I was really coming into my own as a baseball fan when they won that twenty game, uh, twenty game win streak, and like I remember when Giambi went to the Yankees, all that stuff, and because I hated it, and uh, and so I I went back and looked and I was like, wait a second, this team had like, I mean, they they came about them sort of the right way, you know, and, and developed them, but this team had studs like this team had an MVP candidate on it. I mean, Miguel Tejada was insane that year. Eric Chavez was especially like by today's standards, with sort of the defense and the bat all going at once. Like he was fantastic. He was one of the better third basemen in the league. Actually, one of my, one of my friends famously took Eric Chavez over Albert Pujols uh, in a, uh, in a redraft. Yeah. Now he, uh, he hasn't made the playoffs for quite some time. I'll put it that way. Um <laughs> Yeah, I actually just sent him. So I just queued up. Uh, I made some some baseball bats that commemorate each year that someone has won. And this, like I said, it's been going on for 22 years. Some of the winners are no longer with us. They didn't get bats because you got to be in the league to get a bat. Um, not just I'm not just a bat factory over here. Name, I'm not just giving away free bats. Um, but uh, <laughs> but I sent them. I sent them out to all the guys who had won. And I sent one to that dude who, who took Eric Chavez over Albert Pujols. His last championship was in 2003. And he now has a, now he has, you know, an 11 year old kid and he opens it up and he starts laughing and his kid's like, Oh, what's this dad? He's like, Oh, this is my, this is my championship bat from when I won in 2003. And his kid is just like, uh, isn't that 18 years ago? Wow. That's really pathetic. And it just smashed his whole world apart. I loved it so much. It was the best story. Yeah, the day the day he gets the bat, and yeah, it's cut good down. To do that, yeah. And he's he's recently traded all of his uh, he's recently traded all of his his players for prospects because he had a fourth kid and he's got a new job and he's like, man, eh, we're gonna kick this can down the road. And you know, I respect, I respect. It's you know, we don't play for high stakes. We're we're doing it to sort of you know stay in contact, have a good time, and and you know, uh, bragging rights, as you will. It's not like where my high stakes leagues come from, but uh, 
Yeah, and you got you got to have that. It's a good it's a good balance. You can't just be redlining in fifteen hundred dollar leagues all the time. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I yeah, I, it's much more about just putting one over on your friends. You know, that's what I play for. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's definitely it's definitely all about that. So it's uh, I I love that sir when it came in. So anyway, but there back to back to sort of prospects. There's just like again, yeah. there's an endless well, and it re- gets it gets replenished every year with hype. And the hype machine is real. And there's going to be someone out there who you can exploit because it's their favorite teams, new toy. Um, people try to do this with me and the pirates all the time because they're like, oh, blah, 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 okay, Brian Hayes and this and that. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'll pay for them when it pops. I'd rather pay for them when it pops and I know what I'm getting and I know what I'm paying for compared to overpaying now when I don't know what it is. And I think, you know, I want to, I want to go specifically this year into Zach Veen because I have seen – more helium around a prep bat this year with yeah. Zach Veen than I can remember period full stop. And like that, yeah. that probably encompasses like six or seven years in terms of really paying attention. And obviously yeah. that's, that's not forever, well, but I mean, I mean, wit was, wit was pretty big, you know, that's last, true. Last year. That's last true. Year, seems like five years ago, but yeah. It's, but yeah, no, I, I agree. It, it's, it was hard for me this year because I was um, I was pretty in tune to this 2020 MLB draft, way more than I'd ever been, you know, for any other draft. And uh, I just had a hard time because Gene wasn't like my favorite prep bat, so I, I I didn't have any reason to change that. I mean, there was no pro debuts and no season, and you know, you have. Uh, you know, even your contacts or whatever, but there wasn't, I don't know. I just didn't have a reason to, to change my mind that I didn't like Austin Hendrick more. So I just didn't, despite what everybody else was doing. And, um, you know, something else that was, that sort of struck me and I, and maybe you can give me some insight here when you, when you, I think you either put it on Twitter or you sent it to me directly or whatever it was, it was your, you know, your rankings for this year's first year player draft. And yeah. I was having some fun with you on Twitter, but I sort of want to dive into it a little bit. As yeah. much as, as much as right now we're talking about, you know, sort of fading prep arms and prep bats a little bit and yeah. going for, going for the college yeah. just because they yeah. hit more often. Like, like, I think I might've, like, I think I might've said to you before I've said to friends in the past, like, I don't, the individual player and profile and what you see and what you think, I mean, that's, that's number one, you know, you got you to treat them all individually. And I, encu- and I encourage all fantasy players, like go with your gut more. I want to see people doing more crazy things, but um, I kind of treat it like the, maybe every four years I'll, if it's close, I'll take wit over Vaughn or something like that. You know, it's not a, I just don't want to do it too much. Yeah. Everything is, everything is a balance. Um, But when I was looking at your, your rankings for this year's first year player draft, I did also notice though, that your, your rankings for the international highly touted, you know, prospects like, yeah. yeah. Where, where are you at on those guys? Cause those seem to be relatively high up your list. And yet, yeah, and that that list that I posted, I mean, I, you know, 
I've never really made lists before until I started with picture lists. It's not my most favorite thing to do. They're hard, man. Like, <laughs> like if you like that that piece, you know, you're t- you're talking about, you know, if a guy. If you think a guy has a twenty percent chance of this, but a fifty percent chance of this, but a twenty percent chance of failing, there's no way to like quantify that against a guy who's got you know, 5% chance of being elite and like 80% chance of being okay. Like, how do you, you can't compare those things. And, you know, that a lot of that stuff is just very fluid. You could, a different day, I'm going to have a different answer perhaps, you know. But uh, the the J2 guys, especially this year, I don't know. I was just kind of throwing them in there when I was like, thought the landscape might have changed a little bit. And if I was not feeling anything and, ready to take a big swing at something, yeah, maybe here's where I would take them. Wasn't anything scientific or super in-depth. Yeah, I mean, but at the same time. And I didn't, and I didn't take, I didn't end up taking any in my in my drafts until much later. I took a few swings at some guys. And I think that really right there is the point. Much later, take some swings. Because it just like, yeah. just like we were saying, instead of trading one Forrest Whitley, for Steven Strasburg, you actually need to trade six for Swidley's for Steven Strasburg to make sure that you're going to return some value there. And that's yeah. exactly how I treat or equal value. Yeah. yeah. Equal value at the very, I mean, hopefully equal value. That's, that's, yeah. yeah, that's sort of, that's what you should be shooting for at the very least equal value one or two years down the road from what you just gave up. And when I look at the international market and I see, I just, I've seen enough guys come up that signed for 10 K signed for 5,000 signed for 25 signed for 80 that became something truly special compared to a lot of the guys who are signing for two, three, $4 million. Like I think Miguel Sano is a great example. Miguel Sano is not a bad player. He's a very, he cause he's a useful fantasy asset. If you know exactly what you're trying to use him for and you know, you're, you're paying attention to what categories and all that stuff, but he was the, I mean, he was one of the highly touted. He was, I think, the highest paid player of that year. There was there was a whole bidding war over him. I think he got the highest contract ever at that point, four plus million dollars, maybe 3.8. The Pirates lost out on him. I was devastated, all those things. But Miguel Sano is if you just chase the money there and you just are willing to pay for that money, Jason Dominguez is another great example right now. I mean, he is the cost on him is gigantic and you just don't know. Right. And so instead of using one of those top picks in your first year player draft on the guy that just got $5 million as a 16 year old, use that pick on a college bat. And at the end of your draft, pepper, everything, throw out as many darts as you can. I mean, I have in this one league, Yeah, that's probably smart just get as many of them as possible. Cause it's so hard to tell what's going to happen from 16 to 22 in a, in a young man's life who's trying to be an elite baseball uh-huh. player. And there's, there's just, there's so much. Well, even, even, I mean, it's even younger than that. If you're going based off of signing bonuses, I mean, they're good. They're agreeing to that before they're 16. Yeah. So no, absolutely. You can't, you can't go by sign. And I've, I've thought a lot about a way that I can maybe do a piece on, on J2 guys like I did with the draft, but I just don't really know how it's possible. And we're going to have an international draft soon. So, yeah, I do hope that's a part of the new, the new CBA. Yeah. And I, I, I saw some chart 
can't remember exactly where it's from, but I saw some chart that was return on investment for the international market compared to return on investment for the MLB draft in terms of dollars to war. Huh. And I mean, okay. be- because of the nature of, you know, Starling Marte signed for 7,500 and, and Acuna was a that was a hundred thousand. And all these guys uh, that are making it signing smaller deals yeah. And then turning out to be much better, you know, than that than they are. The return on investment yeah. for those those international prospects is so much better than uh, than your MLB draft prospects, be they prep or college. You yeah, know, that's sort of taken on aggregate, and that's sort of how I treat yeah. it. Is that I will I will keep my first I will attempt to keep my first rounder in that first year player draft, but then if I can start trading that second and third and fourth and fifth for five tenth round picks six eleventh you know like eight eight twelfths and just and just go for the volume play you know that is exactly how in that 30 teamer i got gunner henderson i didn't really i didn't know that much about gunner henderson and it sounds like when he was drafted he didn't know all that much about himself he had not popped these eggs (laughs) you know he he had not popped these eggs velocities he had not had the development time at the orioles yet and the orioles seem to be getting better and better at, at their developing their talent, which is awesome. Cause we need another good team in that, in that division. And, um, yeah. and for Alex fast sakes, we need, you know, the Orioles to be solid again at some point. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, so that is how I have found a lot of diamonds in the rough is not by searching for them, but just by casting a giant net. Yes. You know what I mean? I'm out there, I'm out there fishing and mostly what I catch in my net is minnows and forgive the analogy, but occasionally you reel in a dolphin. Yep. You know what I mean? Like occasionally you reel in something that's just absolutely crazy. And Definitely. that's why I really, I don't know if you, if you caught, caught this article or saw, but the 30 B side prospects for your watch list uh, pleasure that I did. Yeah. Oh yeah. That, that is my, like, that's my comfort zone Be- because I end up, selling a lot of the bigger prospect names i have to i have to go there i like to go there but you know the guys on that list are you know like you were talking about some of the maybe um you know maybe some prep guys that were drafted later or some j2 guys that didn't sign for a lot but have started to show some things uh that's been that's been another like little gap maybe hole in uh in sort of in, in dynasty players, uh, the general dynasty players, like kind of radar. And I like to dig into that stuff. And sure, like, uh, like Jack Cecil was talking about on your last episode where he's at the, the Juco tournament and there's, you know, okay, maybe there's one, you know, worthwhile prospect here, but I'll, I'll take the time. I'll get into that. And those are the guys that I like to try and watch the most too. And, and you know, when I watch minor leagues and, the pioneer league or what it was or what have you. Yeah. And the, the, the willingness of other managers to essentially just throw away those late round picks because they don't see them as valuable. That, that just makes me more, you know, like you can't acquire a first rounder in a first year player draft without, you know, an arm and a leg. Yeah. You can acquire a 10th rounder and an 11th rounder and a 12th rounder. I mean, every, oh, yeah. every single deal that I do in those leagues, I'm like, you know, just toss in that 12th. Just, yeah. you know, it's no, just, I'll do it. Just toss in the 12th by the, you know, by the time the draft comes around, I have half the round. Yeah. I mean, really in my, for the most part, 
you know, depending on your first year player slash supplemental draft or what have you, after you get about, I don't know, 15, maybe 20 picks deep, I don't really think there's much of a difference. Yeah. And the more, the more volume you have and the deeper your farm is, that just gives you more, more flexibility uh, For sure. going forward in trades and all that stuff. So. For sure. And it's kind of funny in, in my leagues, I'll kind of get the, man, you're not really much of a prospect guy, are you? And I'm like, no, I, I, I don't see myself. I think I very much am just, just looking at some different ones than you are. Yeah. <laughs> I like to follow them, but I also understand that I get zero points if they destroy AAA. Right, right. I get nothing. So, right. yeah. You know, and I get like, um, I'm a, I'm a member of uh, ITL and very much admire uh, Chris Welsh and what he does, the Welsh and what he does. And, and, and I totally understand and get what he says about like, he doesn't want to be in the middle class in dynasties. He wants to be, you know, rebuilding retooling or, or you know contending and, and and i get that maybe it's different for smaller leagues but like your big league isn't gonna really last very long if you don't have like a strong middle class you kind of need that and in my longer leagues where there has become a big discrepancy between the top teams and the bottom teams sure maybe some of the bottom teams have ascended but i've never really seen any of those top teams fall down so it's interesting it's a a tough format you know it's very it's very delicate it is and when i got into the 30 teamer with a bunch of dudes that uh i I responded to a tweet by ray butler and got into this league with a bunch of wild dudes who are in a million leagues and you know they're they're never not trading they're 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 never not i mean i don't even know how they keep it straight frankly with the amount of 30 teamers they're in but um it can the margin for error, and I guess maybe maybe I'm using the saying right, but it's it's much higher. Do you know what I mean? It's uh, if if you if you trade away that asset that hits, or if you make a misstep in trade, or your mistakes, I guess, are uh, magnified in the in the results. You know what I mean? In a ten teamer, in a twelve teamer, yeah. in a fifteen team league you can make some mistakes and recover simply be, you know, working the wire solid, get, get yourself one solid trade and get you back in it, hit on one prospect, whatever it is. And so, you know, you don't have to be as discerning in a lot of ways or, or be as careful when it comes to trading and and drafting, but in a 30 teamer, getting that one player can really, can really be the difference in a given year. I mean, just like major league baseball. I mean, a a draft, if you get, if you get a couple players, that's, that's a win, you know, it's, it's tough. Uh, but I also like with trading, I don't know. I don't, is this, is this equal value? Like, I don't get like two, I don't know. It's got it. Like I'm okay losing a trade. I just don't, I just want to win quote win two out of three of them, you know? Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll take some, some risks and I'll get some sideways looks about some things, but. Huh. Those sideways looks ones have always worked out the best. <laughs> they really have, man. They definitely have. And if you look, you know, you sort of, it, it's, it's always the recency bias and, and the, the tyranny of the present moment is, is very real when it comes to evaluating trades. The, the trade, like I sort of, like I talked about a while ago, the trade that I made where I traded all those guys who are now great, or at least one of them is great. The other one is very good. And the other one might be fantastic in Blackguard Jr. We'll see. Yeah. 
it took six years for me to lose that trade. And in those six years, I competed multiple years, you know, for the title. And so that's, that to me is, it's hard to look at that as a, as a loss. You know what I mean? I, 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 I gained, I gained quite a bit. I gave up quite a bit of future value, but every time you trade 25 pieces for five elite major league baseball all-stars, chances are if you got those major league baseball all-stars, you're going to be winning more, more often than not. Um, So yeah, I think that that's really, that's really something that I've tried to embrace is, uh, is the win now and using sort of the prospect hype machine to get yourself more win now pieces. Yeah. Um, people will be like, Hey, you know, I just took over a new team and you know what, you know, I'm like, cool. Trade all your prospects. Like start winning now. Like it's easy to do it. You can do it. Yeah. No, I totally agree, man. I totally agree. Uh, well, uh, we have been chatting. Hey, why do you, why do you hate the White Sox so much? Oh, yeah, that's fine. Let's talk about it. Um, <laughs> why do I hate Les, Why do I hate the White Sox so much? You know, you, you you really think third place? You really think third place? I mean, you know, every now and again, I like to just throw out an inflammatory thing. But you know, for yeah. me, uh, for me. I guess I just, for me, that's not necessarily even hating on the White Sox too much. And I, I, I didn't want oh, to, no, 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 of course. And I didn't, I didn't want it to, to necessarily come across as that, but it's a little bit more of the mystique. It's a little bit more of uh, why has Cleveland been able to continue to do this over and over and over again. And it's an, obviously it's a testament to the development yeah. team and all that stuff and what they can like the pitching factory that they've created there. But I, you know, it's just, it boggles my mind that they turn these, they make the Shane Bieber's, the Zach Plesak's, the Savales, the, the yeah. Kluber's. I mean, the Clevenger's. It just goes they're on. Like a, they're playing like a points league while everyone else is playing it like a, like a cat's league, you know? Seriously. <laughs> and I, I like a lot of the minor leagues that are, that are coming up. I mean, I actually, uh, you know, I'm sure there's Cleveland fans out there that would hate me saying this. And I, if I was a Cleveland fan, I would hate me saying this. They got a lot back for Francisco Lindor. Uh, and I don't hate. Andres Jimenez and I don't I don't hate Rosario I like green uh I like Josh Wolf like there is enough there if you're gonna go down the rabbit hole of like we can't pay him which they totally could have and they probably should have whatever if, if, you, if you're gonna trade him I, I actually like a lot of the pieces that they got back and it's a lot of when I look at the White Sox I look at all that they have going for them you know how uh Robert is hopefully going to really come into his own this year. And I think I made that statement about them finishing third before Eloy was injured. And, and so now that Eloy is injured, that, that obviously complicates things. I love Vaughn. I love Tim Anderson as just someone who's constantly proving me wrong. Jose Abreu never stopped, never stopping. Yeah. You know what I mean? They got, I mean, even Dylan Cease is, Starting to, I'm starting, I'm starting to not. I don't know. I'm a Dylan Cease yeah. hater for sure, and that last spring start definitely opened my eyes with 11 Ks and zero walks. No, I, I totally get it. Like the, the White Sox are like the really talented, dumb guy. Like they're not a very smart organization. So I mean, I get it. I, I saw like I, I don't know how, how truthful, how valid it is now. And maybe it was a couple of years ago I saw this, but they're talking about. Uh, like analytics departments and you know the Dodgers Yankees those types had like 12 15 Rays had a bunch of on their staff 
and the White Sox were at two. <laughs> I mean, there's more people at pitcher lists than there is at the White Sox. You know? Seriously, yeah. No, it's, but it's... but but that but I also kind of love it because it is it just shows you. I would major league baseball teams. If you're just you don't even have to be smart. If you're just trying to win, hey, you can. Like you can you can put a team together. You know so. Yeah, no, I get I, it. They, they could take fifth place. It wouldn't surprise me, you know. And yeah, so. nothing surprise. Yeah, nothing would surprise me in baseball this this year, frankly. But yeah. I mean, I, I, the White Sox have a lot going for them this year. They have quite a bullpen, oh, which uh, I mean, the bullpen is is robust, right? I mean, adding adding Hendricks yeah. was huge. But even before they added Hendricks, I mean, Bummer, Marshall, Foster, uh, Garrett Crochet coming up this year, and you know, yeah. coming out coming out of the pen, that is a ridiculous amount of arms. And then you added one yeah, of the better. Yeah, one of the better relievers in baseball and Liam Hendricks, who can also throw innings and K dudes yeah. like left, right, and center. And yeah. then, you know, Lucas Giolito, fantastic. It, like Dallas Keuchel is a solid, low-key, like this dude throws solid innings and we have a small ballpark and he suppresses the heck out of home runs. So awesome. Come on out and throw 180 innings for us. Yeah. And I there's there's enough there that I like. Really, what I what I hate, and really the reason that I'm saying that is simply because I think Frank, uh, not Francona, but uh the Russa is just there's a lot of awesome things happening in, with the White Sox, and it almost feels like a team that should just not be managed, should just be managed by themselves. They just get together as a group every yeah. day, and they're like, what's the lineup? Yeah, Timmy's leading off. Everyone else figure it out. Who yeah. wants to throw today? We'll have a yeah, good time. Abreu writes the lineup. Yeah. Exactly, and I just feel like yeah. all well, that hopefully, they – Hopefully that's – hopefully maybe that's what happens. I don't know, you know. Um, yeah, poor, poor Renteria. That guy, uh, man, brutal. Yeah, this is his last two, last two jobs. Man. It's like <laughs> there's nothing, nothing fair about the house. You build a house and then you get like fired right before it gets painted or something. Like, yeah, I mean, well, that reminds me of uh, it reminds me of uh, when the Pirates traded McCutcheon, and I believe the week before they traded him, he had a child and he named the child Steel. Oh. I did not know that. Oh yeah, absolutely, yeah. dude. Named it Steel after Pittsburgh. Loves Pittsburgh. I mean, you know, there was there's really there's no hard feelings there. I don't think. I mean, and he got a giant contract with the Phillies, so he got paid, and I'm really happy for him when it when it came to that because I didn't see that one coming. That seemed like a how did how much did Andrew McCutcheon get in this market? I don't know. How, he got like forty five million or something. It was great. So I'm glad that he got paid because because he deserves it. He was fantastic for us. But yeah, that I remember reading that being like and knowing he was going to get traded. It wasn't a secret, right? It was just to who and for what. And man, just hearing that he named his kid Steel, I'm like, you know, whatever. He'll always have Pittsburgh. It's not like getting traded changes that. But right. man, oh man, right. I just yeah, I just I see all the things. For me, the White Sox are the story of. Well, this is the team that should win. This is the team that that yeah. on paper should win. I mean, I think they they definitely. It wouldn't surprise me if they did win the division and they were better than the Twins, despite all the depth that the Twins have, because there's a lot of firepower there. But man, it just any time in baseball, it's like, yeah, that's obviously the best team. They will win it all. Almost every single time, that's been proven wrong. And I feel like, yeah, that's that, a, a scary place to be <laughs> if you if you're not like a perennial, you know. Win. Yeah. Well, absolutely. So, I'm, I'm curious. Uh, you have the who's been who is your biggest. Uh, spring disappointment my biggest spring disappointment honestly alex kirilov um 
Alex Kirilov is my biggest spring disappointment this year, I would say. He is someone that, I don't know, I just like the story. I've liked everything I've seen in the minor league games I've watched. I love the type of stat line. I love the type of hitter he is, a little bit old school for whatever that means. I don't exactly know what it means, but I think you know what I'm trying to say. And, um, you know, he, I was, he's just someone that I really was expecting to be impactful early. And he's the kind of hitter, at least in my head, that shouldn't ever be bad. You know what I mean? Like he shouldn't ever have just like hitless streaks and just, just how, be hitting. How many one... shares do you have? I have a couple <laughs> shares. I got a couple of Alex Kirilov shares um, for sure. And I have a few in drafts this year that are sort of like draft and holds or best balls or whatever, where yeah. he was one of my later round picks of like, Oh, he could, he could come on scene and really, really yeah. do damage immediately in sort of a yeah. unique way. You didn't see like that Brent Rooker thing coming. I don't know, man. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think Kirilov is, he's all right. He's fine. Yeah. And I think, I think that's what it is, but I, that's, that's been sort of my disappointment. Um, I yeah. would say would be, would be him. Um, what about you? Oh, uh, see, this is kind of where it's not going to be that exciting for a lot of people. Uh, Anderson Tejada was disappointing this spring to me i was uh you know like the cheap kind of hidden you know guy in dynasty type who's i think he's got a lot of strikeout you know to his game but real five tool upside i think i know uh from some people that i spoke with that the organization was very split they thought that maybe he could be the second baseman of the future some didn't think so. He had that little run with the team last year that you know, showed some, stole some bags and hit some home runs. And I thought he looked pretty good. And then Dominican could play some defense and then just like an injury hit in spring. And then it just never even really got any run. But I was excited. Yeah. Nothing happened. That's spring training for you. Misery and joy. Very little, very little yeah. in between. Very yeah. little in between. Well, I mean, I got to, uh, in the interest of uh, not going too long on this pod, I have to, uh, well, let's, let's, let's handle the niceties. Where can people find you on Twitter, sir? Oh yeah. Um, at the needle 12, or it's not the word 12, one, number one and number two at the needle one, two. At the needle one, two, and they can find your work over at picture list. They can find your work over at prospects yep. 1500. Yep. Some fine stuff. Yeah, happening. I, I hope to be uh, kind of taking some of that draft stuff a little further. I'd like to try to get into like different skill sets and success rates and that. I did a little bit of that, a little taste of that. When I was looking at velocities of top 10 college pitchers and their success. Um, yeah, that's kind of, kind of what I've been thinking about and I'll be diving into a, a prospect once a week on pitcher list and doing some diamondback stuff on uh, prospects 1500 awesome well i have to uh i have to i have to have you play prospect survivor before we get out of here though oh okay i'm gonna give you i'm gonna give you three names and you have to you gotta vote someone off the island and you gotta keep two so the three names two of which come from one organization and then the other one comes from across Cross to the NL. So, first name, 
Grayson Rodriguez, Baltimore Orioles. And yeah. then I'm going back to the Orioles, and I'm going to give you D.L. Hall. And then I'm going to take it up north, and I'm going to give you Matt Allen from the New York Mets. Which one of those dudes are you voting off the island? Um, my answer might be a little bit cheating. I have to say, I, I probably know the least about D.L. Hall or have seen the least on D.L. Hall. Um, but I'd probably vote him off. Because, uh, like, as soon as as soon as uh, Gray, Grayson and Allen debut, I'm probably going to trade him. It's <laughs> 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 a little bit cheating, but I mean, I know. I mean that that Allen hype is. I mean, both those guys. Wouldn't you, I mean? Wouldn't you say out of the three, those two are the ones that probably get mentioned the most? And you know. Yeah, I mean, I would say Allen. This Allen, Allen's one of those guys that they created a lot of hype at the alternate training site. You know, really developing his changeup, popping a little bit hot on the velocity. He seems to have solid. Yeah. Eh, you know, he's he's a prep arm, so there's a long way to go, but he's got decent control yeah. at the at the very least. Grayson seems like the most complete yeah. pitcher at the moment, uh, and and Hall is pretty much all stuff. But I feel like. I don't know. There's been, there's been some more chatter about yeah. Hull recently, I would say. Um, but it, to me, it's still, it's still Rodriguez and Allen, but yeah, Allen is just a guy who is, yeah. he's the third rounder. He was paid over slot, you know, they, the assignability concerns, all that stuff, but he's yeah. definitely has rocketed up uh, when it comes to value. It seems like this year. I think it's, I think it's so hard with, with the 2020 stuff. Um, with it, Pitchers are so much harder. Like I looked at, um, I went back and looked at the most of the big name uh, Diamondbacks pitching prospects just a couple of weeks ago and watched old uh, 2019 stuff and then came back and, and watched whatever new stuff I could. And like, man, some of those guys are just, they're so different. They kind of, kind of Graham's is like, he's like a pitcher now, you know? And, and like, look at uh, Bukaskis, like, man, he, that reliever thing might really be something, you know? So it, it's hard for I, those three guys you mentioned, like I said, I haven't had, really had my eyes on them, you know, anytime recently. So I, minor league season, I'm, I'm so excited to just like change my opinion about so many guys. It's going to happen, you know? Especially yeah. Pitch. Yeah. And I think that's, that's the thing that we really miss is that on the one hand, it's, you know, sort of like we're saying, it's nice to form opinions. It's nice to dive in on guys, but really the value the best way to prospect is to just keep your, your ear to the, to the, to the ground as much as possible. And sure. who, who has put sure. on 15 good pounds of weight, who has one more tick velocity, who's added a new pitch that's actually working who, and can command it, yeah. who, uh, you know, uh, for hitters, who has a mechanical swing change that they've actually been able to keep consistent for three months and things like that, like Duran right. Duran or whatever. And, and that's, that's been difficult is that you're, you're used to your opinions changing with new information with the prospects. And sure, we got some new information, but, what do we do with Matt Allen's new changeup when all it's done is worked at the alternate training site? Yeah. How do we, yeah. how do we truly evaluate it, it, that? It was a very interesting time to come on to picture list to write about prospects when there was no, <laughs> like, new, yeah, dude. like, okay. Like basically like I've had all these notes on these guys for quite a while. I don't know <laughs> what, what, you know, yeah, What's no, here? I feel you. I'm I mean, share what I had you know, and try to talk to the few people that I might know, you know, so. 
yeah, I mean, you're talking to the guy that came on and, and took over the, the prospect podcast with, a, you know, a year lag and new prospect information. It was certainly, an, <laughs> yeah. like you said, an interesting yeah, time yeah. to come well, on to Pitcher List. Yeah, yeah. But it, but for, for a new guy, it's been nice. You know, you kind of get to, like, warm up a little bit and you know, figure out some of your processes maybe a little bit better because, you know, like when I told Nick when I – came on here i was like man i'm like i do all this stuff just for my own stuff like if, if i can formalize it in a sense and something you know, i might get 10 people that want to read it like cool yeah man i'll, I'll do what i can you know <laughs> yeah that was my that was my pitch to him as well it was essentially like i'm gonna do this stuff with or without you so like may as well just give me a yeah, yeah. give me a shot because the work is gonna happen and yeah. i think if if i have a place to 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 put it on, I know, for, for lack of a better term, pen to paper or, uh, or voice to podcast or whatever, then I, you know, I think that's going to be, yeah. that's, that's the kind of energy you want, right? You want the person that's just doing it no matter what you don't want the person that's motivated yeah. necessarily by whatever, by, by being read, like you said, you're creating that list with your, with your plate appearances and your age graph. And you're doing that no matter what, just cause you're leaked. So like may as well try to share it with yeah. other people and see what comes down the pipe. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I'm, I'm excited to do a piece on that and get into some of that stuff. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah well, fun. I will. I'll definitely be. I'll definitely be looking out for it. That is for sure. Your, your, yeah. your, your big deep dive articles. Block, block away some time, people, and, and give them a read because they definitely will help you in your dynasty leagues for sure. For sure. Um, trying. <laughs> yeah, that's all we can do, man. That is all we can do. Well. Yeah. Uh, we've played Prospect Survivor. If uh, if anyone out there is listening to this right now that means major league baseball is happening today that's what that means i i cannot wait to watch real meaningful baseball games i can't wait to see some fans of the games with you know with some safety precautions i can't wait to ah i don't even like i said don't even believe it's real i will believe it's real when i click open my fantasy baseball applications and it's not zero zero anymore someone is winning and someone is losing and i'm super excited for that so this this feels like a uh, a special opening day that uh, will probably I'm, never I'm happen. I'm really excited to have. I don't know. Sorry, go ahead. No, we'll probably never have another opening day like this. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I'm excited to like. I don't know how your leagues did it, but we had a lot of like multiple matchups last year. That was really hard. It was just overload for me to track. I'm just really excited to open up my category leagues. And be like, all right, I'm playing one guy. I know the one team that I have to get more home runs than or whatever. Like, yeah. I'm excited. Yeah. Me too, man. Well, I got my, I got my matchup every, every year in my home league. I match up against one dude. Uh, we, we, uh, we change the schedule to make sure that we play each other the first week and we usually throw some silly bets on it. So it should be good. He's nice. got no, he's got no starters going tomorrow because his pitching is trash. And, uh, <laughs> and I have, a, I have a couple dudes going and we'll see if Louis Castillo can, can cut up some people. So. Oh man, God, so exciting! Well, good luck. Yeah, thank you, sir. I might not be able to sleep tonight. We shall see. Yeah. We but, shall see. And I and I'm here if you you know need a, cry, a shoulder to cry on. I know how it goes. I'd, I'm starting to feel that way already. <laughs> yeah. No, I might. I might. If 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 I will tell you, if about five weeks from now uh, we get bad news on Zach Gallen, I will absolutely yeah. uh, need some tissue paper. That will be happening. We can- we can make that happen. I, I, I work in mental health. I can, I can maybe help. Oh, that's good. Mine is, <laughs> mine is horrific. So, um, so yeah, we, we may, uh, we may need to figure that out down the road. <laughs> well, uh, hey, thank you very much, man. This was, this was fun.
Of course, man. Yeah, I really appreciate you coming on. Um, this is our man, Nate Handy, on the Dynasty team over Pitcher List, helping out at Prospects 1500. Catch him at, at the needle, number 12. You can catch me at Caught Looking, uh, spelled the Roman way. That's with a V instead of a U. And you can catch the pod at On the Farm PL. Feel free to ask us questions, send anything there that you want to want us to dive in on, talk about it, you know, during the season, or just hit us up and, and make fun of us. Whatever. I'll interact with you. I'll like your I'll like your tweets. It's all good. But uh, but yeah, uh, for uh, for Nate Handy, I'm Kyle Brown. This has been the On the Farm Podcast. Happy opening day to all of you fantasy baseballers and baseballers in general out there, man. And we are out. Mm-hmm.